Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Good Grow Great podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is Great Lengths. This is the segment where we sit down with one particular person and we learn from them. Everything from professional things that really can elevate our performance all the way to personal aspects of things that can really, really help us live a better and enriched life, one that we're proud of. And so today we are sitting down with Peter Van Ryan, aka Twiggy. He goes by Twiggy and he is a surf technique coach, which is so interesting because you'll hear about his experience having to essentially brave the waves when he had a certain level of anxiety. What exactly that looks like when you're out in the ocean on your own and you're left to your own devices and how to overcome that, right? And what does this mean for you when you feel this way? Maybe not necessarily in the ocean, right? Maybe even at home or at work when you feel like everything is falling apart and at that moment, you're on your own. How can you overcome that? But he's going to be talking about even more things on how to fall better. What does it look like um, to be a good surfer and how you know that someone is a good surfer based on how they fall, which is really interesting. And we relate that to how um, you can survive a car accident, right? And some of the things that we touch on here, we haven't typically touched on this podcast. So I'm so excited to share this with you because it's going to cover a vast variety of topics that is going to help you today. Now, a couple of highlights that I want to share with you that you will be able to take home. We talk about how boxers, I should say, can pace themselves and can really land a strong punch, right? And similarly, a good surfer. What does that look like when someone is just starting out and you're fearful and you don't know exactly where to start? What exactly is the relationship between our body and the water and what does entropy have anything to do with it there's a lot of biomechanics involved here but there's also a lot of psychoanalysis that we're going to be talking about that can help you overcome really impossible situations things that move at lightning speed um, and also because if you think about surfing everyone everything is moving you're moving the ocean's moving the surfboard is moving and what does that look like if everything is moving, too many moving pieces, but how can you still come out on top? So, so many things that I want to share with you and more. Be sure to dive in and hit that follow, add, collect, subscribe, save, and download button because we're just about to get started. Growth Solvers, let's dive in. Okay, Twiggy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And before we get started chatting about all things, uh, you know, surfing, water, and you live in Bali, which is just near and dear to my heart and your coaching practice, all of this good stuff. I actually wanted to start with, because I think surfing for those people who are haven't surfed ever or maybe have only surfed once or twice, it can be a little bit, uh, they can be a little bit trepidatious, right? Because it's, you know, the thinking is that all of these waves 
um, can be quite dangerous, right? And there's a lot of unknown under the surface of the water. So I actually want to get with you and see if you can pinpoint, I know you've been surfing for you know, 45 plus years. So you have quite the canon to work with, but uh, I'm curious to hear if you have maybe one memorable experience surfing when perhaps you, uh, it was a scare that you didn't expect. Maybe you went out to the waters in the beginning of the day, thinking everything's great, the weather's great, everything. And then suddenly things took a turn for the worse or on the flip side, you weren't feeling it, you know, and uh, perhaps the waves instead kind of changed the day and totally made your day in whatever way. So do you have any moments like that that you can share? I have hundreds. And 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 I could tell you, like, especially when I was younger, so many times where I was, you know, overcome by nerves or fear. But for me, the most memorable one was... um. It was actually a, rele- a revelation that I had in the ocean about who I was in general. And, um, and it was like I was in the Mentawai Islands in March 2012 and, um, and I was staying at a place that wasn't open yet, a surf camp called um, Kingfisher, and the owner and myself were in the water. And it was like this really... Like the conditions were perfect, like sheet glass, but the day was quite overcast. Yeah. I, like I don't even, like a, it had kind of an ominous look to it, but there was two of us, the only two in the water, a few hundred metres from shore. We had perfect waves and everything was just amazing. And, um, and all of a sudden Ben went in and he didn't tell me he was going in. And everything changed for me in that moment. And I was shocked that it did that because um, what I actually realised, and I was in the middle of reading a book by a woman named Louise Hay called You Can Heal Your Life. And, um, and I was overcome with, wasn't, it wasn't like a deep fear, it was kind of anxiety. And I realised in that moment, and the book was probably what brought me there that um that I had abandonment issues and and I was like holy cow where does where did this come from like no one actually abandoned me I was like the circumstances of my like extreme youth like when I was very young there were circumstances there that led to me um being often I won't even say alone, like my, um, look, I'll, I'll put it into context quickly. My father, when I was eight years old, had a very serious accident and he was paralysed from the neck down and my mother was very busy looking after my father and as I grew up, I was less supervised, right? So I didn't, at the time, it was like, yeah, cool, like I'm getting by, I'm raised by surfers a lot of the time and I, I, I don't. I don't look at my upbringing negatively at all. Like everyone did their best, you know. But this moment in the surf just hit me and I was like, oh, wow, I've got abandonment issues. And um, and I had to go back into the book in my mind and work out some stuff and, and actually talk to my inner child. Mm-hmm. And it was a part of the book that I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. I don't, I don't know about talking to this inner child thing. And it happened in the surf and I had to do it. And I did it. And um and within minutes everything was okay again. 
and it was a real pivotal moment in my life where I've never since that day feared being alone in the ocean. It's like everything just was to me now it's the most beautiful place to be alone. Mm. So, yeah, that was probably the most pivotal for me as in life-changing. Yeah, this is so phenomenal because I know that being out in the waters occasionally, and I don't, I don't surf at all, but I know that when we do go out to the waters, especially growing up, you know, in, in Indonesia as well, snorkeling or diving or whatever, it does get that feeling creep up very, very quickly. And I mean, I don't have quite as um, a, a, a varied, I guess, background and, and upbringing as yours. And uh, it still does kind of come to your, you know, psyche a little bit when you kind of realize you're on your own in the ocean um, and you're left to your own devices. And if, if something happens, things can go really, really sour, you know, and I think it's really a testament definitely to, for you to have been able to turn that around at, at the very time that you need that, you know, that skill set, right. To have that ability to, which I think is difficult because it's so easy for us to come to become kind of sort of overcome right by that panic or fear or whatever. So I think that's really phenomenal that, you know, that you, you had done that. Um, I am kind of curious because you touched a little bit about your youth and your youth abandonment. And I think, and I, I'm kind of curious, and you said that you're raised by surfers, which is really, I think that'd be interesting to hear just even briefly. What was that like? Was that something that, you know, I think if you think of childhood being so carefree, I think that's really one child childhood where a lot of people probably would be slightly envious of. Did you feel that way growing up or did you feel kind of, like you said, well, it, you didn't really think I, much about it. I felt, no, no, I, I felt, I don't know if the word's lucky or privileged, but I knew like um, like there was this, I don't know, like a, almost a, a separation between my family life and my surfer life with um, an older cousin and all his older friends who were basically, you know, I don't even know if, they fully realised it at the time, but they were like my guardians when I wasn't at home, you know. And um, and look, like I'm going to be also honest about this. It wasn't like anything near a Christian upbringing. Um, this <laughs> surf culture back then was pretty um, hardcore partying and stuff, but that wasn't that wasn't the influence I got from them. Like I found all of that on my on my own, even if they hadn't have been around, I would have gone down that path. So I think they were the ones that kind of reined me in when I was um, getting a little bit uh, too excited, you know? Yeah. And, and that was really special. And they were all very accomplished surfers, um, especially for the area I lived in. So they were great role models for me to look at in the ocean to see how do you move through the ocean and and yeah and learn from them in that way and um, look I was I was never uh, some of them were crazy in big waves and I was never that guy you know but but wow I learned so much from them just from a surfing aspect and from a like you know recreational aspect as well for sure yeah. um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the person I am today without 
without them being there at the beginning. I was fortunate enough in the last few years to do two um, boat trips in the Mentawai Islands where they all came on as my guests. And, wow, it was like it was like we were all the same people stuck in these older vessels. <laughs> and um, and the, the, the first one I called it, uh, I started calling it the tour of the broken knee. And, um, yeah, but they were still surfing so good and such an inspiration. And, like, these days I... I very rarely drink or do anything. Like I think I've had one beer on either of those trips. But in saying that, I was sore every day from laughing. Just <laughs> it was like we were just wound back the clock. And um, yeah, it was really special for me. Yeah, I love, I mean, I just listening to your stories, you know, it just really makes me feel a little homesick, you know. And um, but I think one of the things that really kind of uh, attracted me to the understanding a little bit more about the you know psychology of surfing and and how people can surf really big waves or maybe even just you know regular waves or consistently go out there every day um, aside from just the passion and the love of it right it's interesting because a lot of people you know when they find what they think is a life calling and they hit certain hurdles or obstacles or whatever right they then tend to kind of go find another route, right, or path of some sort. And I'm kind of curious, did you, in the, you know, multiple years when you're um, you know, surfing, did you ever kind of it took a detour, essentially? I, so I've got like a huge toke gecko yeah, I'm, I need to say to the audience who's listening, that little hiccupy sound there in the background, that's that's the sound of nature. And uh, it's it's kind of like a gecko. I don't know if there's an English equivalent word for that, but it's it's a very native uh, animal that usually kind of hangs out in definitely in Bali where where Twiggy is is now. Currently. And, and he's he's a big one and he lives in my spare room and he comes out into the lounge but that's the longest he's ever gone for with his noises I was like dude come on (laughs) well at first I thought it was somebody hiccuping in the background but then I quickly realized oh that's that's an animal that you know we can't really it's kind of like guys if you guys are listening this is basically kind of like the the crickets in Bali but except it's not crickets of course but so it's you know we welcome all nature sounds of course but absolutely um, Absolutely. yeah which is fantastic by the way this really does that that um you know that sound really reminds me because whenever I go to Bali I remember I always hit the outdoor showers they have outdoor showers it's enclosed of course um right and uh but yeah lots of nature and and butterflies all these amazing things but anyways i want to go back to what you were talking about and um going back to that point of basically uh whether or not you had a detour in your life right something drastically different you tried something else maybe you had this past life where you work a corporate job and you were miserable or anything like that that really essentially diverted you back to surfing perhaps so I, I I haven't ever had a corporate job um I did have a period this is going to sound really strange especially to people who surf right um I had a period around 1993 
where um, I, I had this amazing surfboard. I only owned one surfboard and I had this incredible surfboard and it was like I loved it. It went good in all conditions and, um, and I was living out of home and one day I broke the surfboard and I was devastated and, um, and I went back to the place I was living, which was an apartment on top of a bank in the main street of my hometown, Cronulla, and um, and I remember being like really pissed, you know, and, and, yeah. and I was like, "That's." Uh, and so, long story short, I I probably grabbed a case of beer and started drinking. I didn't surf for two years. Wow. <laughs> two years. So I'm not going to say I sat there drinking stagnant for two years but I but I basically went from breaking that surfboard to um I had a lot of friends who were really good musicians and a lot of them were in bands and at the time I I worked on a um on a brewery truck delivering beer and um and I just started going out and watching band live bands and and it just turned into a party cycle that lasted for two years without surfing Wow. And I will say also that at around that time, because I, I, was, I was a pot smoker, right, and I stopped smoking pot and I reckon, almost guarantee you, I, I replaced it with beer. Mm. And, um, but there was this social element involved as well where I was going to see, like, people playing music and, um, and it just turned into something I did for two years and I blew out my weight I was like I went from 78 kilograms to over 100 and um wow. and I was just this big puffy beer drinking yeah. music <laughs> for, the US, to, yeah, for the U.S. listeners that's the the conversion is you roughly double that so that's uh, about 150 yeah, all the way to yeah. like 200 pounds or so yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so yeah and and somewhere you know towards the end of that hiatus look I was like what the hell am I doing I've got to start surfing again and I borrowed a surfboard from someone and it was um it was their big wave board because I was still a bit bigger you know and um I was like okay I've got to start surfing again and and I did and um yeah and that was kind of a pivotal moment too when I started surfing again because I I fell back in love with it and um mm. yeah was it just like that, the switch, going back into surfing, or did you need, like, maybe a friend or something convincing you or perhaps, you know, just kind of the... I don't think anyone, anyone, no one was ever good at convincing me to do or not do anything. I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, I, I'm the sort of person, like, I, I guarantee you it would have been on my mind for weeks and then I would have been presented with that opportunity and gone, right, let's do this, you know. I'm a, I'm a person who, like, I call myself inherently lazy out of the ocean yeah. and I often find excuses to not do things that I should do and yeah. then I dwell on it for a couple of weeks and then I wake up one day and I go, right, this is the day we're doing it and um, and it just happens, you know. That's yeah. my process. Yeah. Well, and I'm kind of curious because you said something that's really interesting to me where you said that you basically – um, you know, you, you know, you used to smoke, right? Smoke pot and it used replaced it essentially during that period of hiatus with drinking. And um, I've heard a lot, I mean, I have friends and I know people who have some somewhat of a similar 
trajectory where they were full on on something for in some time, they go hard on it, and then they go to this other thing. So whether it's positive or negative, it's all and they tell they tell me that they have this addictive personality where you know, they they're really drawn to something and, and um, it just depends on what that something is, it could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. And a lot of times for them, the only way to, to really obliterate the negative activities is really to go full on on the positive activities, which it sounds like in your case is perhaps surfing. Yeah, you really, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, you know, like it's this replacing one thing with the other. And, and, and I, I have been the person who referred to myself as an addictive personality. And I realize now in hindsight that maybe it was not the right term for it. And maybe I was just afraid to go and have a good hard look at myself and what was inside me and dig a little deeper and find that stuff that made me not feel so good, you know, and why is it there? And, um, and now with the blessing of um, getting a little older, that sort of stuff is not only easier to do, but I find it really interesting. And, um, and I've had it happen recently. Like I, I had a pretty serious recurring back injury at the beginning of this year and I was very incapacitated for four days alone on the floor just here. All I could do was get up to make food and go to the bathroom. And, um, And I was lying there and I was like, wow, imagine being in this kind of pain long term. And it was like a punch in the face because that was my father and I was like, whoa. And I and I was like, okay, don't run away from this. This is this is a pivotal moment. And I went into that place and started to think about my father. And I used to I used to say that because it happened when I was so young that I grew to understand it and it didn't affect me as so negatively. And and in this retrospective moment this year, I discovered that, hang on. Maybe that affected me a lot more than I care to admit. And I spent a lot of years not thinking or talking about my father as much as I maybe should have or could have. And, yeah, in those four days earlier this year, I found a lot of, I found a lot of myself and sort of like at the end of it, a week later when I was able to walk and like I was so grateful for the tiniest of things, like to be able to wash below my knees in the shower I was like yay yeah and um and I found that once I came out the other side of that I just felt lighter I was like wow this is this is different like I'm a different person now and um yeah it was really it was a beautiful thing it wasn't like the pain wasn't good or anything. like the universe gave me exactly what I needed at that time you know um it's not always great, but when you come out the other side of it, having looked at what you needed to look at, I think it's uh, it's definitely empowering. Yeah, I, I have said- to agree with you on that. I think um, the the interesting thing about when you talked about your father is that I feel like there's so many things that are subconscious in our in our mind and in our upbringing, or maybe not even in up, up, our upbringing, but just 
you know, assumptions and perspectives that we accept as, as correct. You know, you talked about just a minute ago how you kind of reframed that, that phrase addictive personality and deciding that, you know what, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Let's take a look at really the hard stuff. And that might be, you know, in the case of, um, you know, your back injury. Okay, let's take a look at my relationship with my father, what, what that looks like. I think that's really, it really shows quite a bit of, you know, courage because particularly when, and it's so easy to do this. I think I do this a lot as well. Like you just kind of go, go, go with your life. You kind of keep going, continuing to brush off all these things that's actually important and continue to try to put it in the back burner but of course, it's going to resurface, usually at the most inopportune time, <laughs> right? Exactly. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, and that's comes out in a fight or like um, overwhelm or whatever it is. But I'm kind of curious, like when, when we look at surfing, right, and, and surfing, I feel like there's quite a lot of the, of course, it's technical, right? Of course, it's practice. Of course, it's going out there and hitting the waves and still... Um, you know, just really getting that muscle memory out. But I think a lot of it is, you know, how much would you say is 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 surfing more mind over matter? And what's kind of the, I mean, in the different various years that you've done this? This, sub, this subject is massive. And I've only just started to understand how big it really is. And um, like water is the most powerful element on earth right and it's also it's very unique in a lot of ways if anyone that watches this podcast if you get the chance go to youtube there's a documentary called water the great mystery and i suggest everyone watch it at least once now we we refer in the english language we refer to lakes rivers oceans and seas as bodies of water and we, being around 70% water, are also a body of water. So when I watched this documentary and started to contemplate what I was learning about water outside of the ocean, because I knew a lot about it in the ocean already, I started to understand there's a water has a communicative effect. It's almost a desire. Water's, water's greatest desire is to return to its greater mass. So, and it has a memory and it, um, things that happen to water become imprinted in the water's um, structure. So the structure of water changes depending on how it's uh, treated, depending on what happens to it. Now, being 70% water, that happens to us as well. So it can easily be theorized and and i'm going to use the word theorized but i kind of believe that this is a, a big deal and that it does happen a lot of what gets imprinted on us in our youth that then comes back up as we get older and you know our the, the way we're reactive to certain situations to me that's things that's stored in you know you can call it your brain memory as well but i think it's um i think it's held in your water as well and it's uh man, it's a huge subject. And if I was to talk about people surfing and learning to surf and their 
their uncomfortability factor at certain stages of being in the surf. It all relates to water, energy, the mind. Um, I've just, I've, I've just been um, made aware of a part of the, well, I knew it existed, but I read a little piece about our amygdala, the part of our brain that, um, that tells us, yes, we've done that before, that's okay, and hang on, last time we did that, it was really scary and we don't want to do that again, and, and that sort of triggers responses in us too, you know. So, yeah, I've, I've really come to a point where, if you want to learn to surf well and to move through the ocean well, the mind comes first. Once, once you can get your mind to a place where it doesn't override rational thought and rational movement and rational action, that is where you will start to make real steep curve in your progress. And, yeah, it's a... Wow, it's such a um, an interesting subject because every human being is different, right? So at a coaching level, first I have to get to know someone and then I get to read them and then I get to try to find the way, that, the path of least resistance to getting them past those things that stop them from being able to do, to stop them from learning that little that trigger point, you know, um, there's a guy named, a guy I grew up with from my hometown named Matt Griggs and um, he spoke about um, default patterns. So like our phones and our computers have this default thing which you can go back to and, and he talks about the default system in humans and it's usually triggered when the energy becomes too great. So when the ocean energy becomes too great, the surfer goes to this default mechanism of panic, you know. We, we can mm. no longer think rationally and deal with this situation. The same could be said for, you know, uh, a human on land in a stressful situation. It could be as simple as an argument and a particular subject triggers that old stuff and then that default reaction comes up. So it can be used in many, many terms. Um, but in the ocean, yeah, it's... Uh, it's really interesting. I, like I love watching the way people act in the ocean. You can tell a lot about a person just by watching them from a distance. You know, like and um, it's a, a study in in the human mind. Yeah, this is really. I I found it interesting that you touched on kind of that concept of okay, there is you know, again, kind of almost like entropy where you, the energy flows and not just energy, but there's also the default, not system, but default, I guess, um, condition where things yeah. tend to return back to. And um, I mean, even beyond that, man versus ocean, right, in that kind of setting. Um, and of course, man being part water. And uh, what does that look like? That's so interesting. I've never really quite... Um, I guess seeing it in that way, it's always been, you know, I, I'm, I mean, of course, we know that we're made of mostly water, but it is quite interesting. When you talked about, you talked about helping people try paths with or find paths with least resistance so that they can overcome certain obstacles or mindset blocks or what have you. Um, what would that look like, you know, when someone is maybe stuck and they're trying to 
uh, master a particular technique, um, you know, in their surf stance or what have you? What does that look like? One thing I've become really um, like a general thing that I'm starting to use with people is to give them examples of. Um, so I'll give you an example, right? In the in the Mentawai Islands, we surf a lot of reef breaks, and that's and it can be generally it's quite shallow. Now, not all the surfers who go there are high level surfers, so they're going to fall off, right? There's people that go there, and I'm going to be really brutally honest. Sometimes I see people there, and I'm, what are you? What is that person doing here? They're not ready yet, but you'd be surprised how few people get seriously injured, but it does happen, some very seriously. Now, I know from just from general observations, I've watched like um, when a good surfer falls, he or she know he knows he's falling and, do, and it doesn't worry them. It's like, oh, well, I'm falling. So they, they're loose, right? It's kind of like when a baby falls. You know, a baby falls and it's just, Boom, and, and everyone freaks out and the baby gets up, doesn't cry until it sees everyone's freaked out. But if everyone laughs, the baby's like, hey, that was cool. So there's, there's a definite correlation between worry and not worrying. So in, in terms of like um, our, our language, in basically any language, we, re, we refer to worry as something that's heavy. It weighs us down. I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. We refer to happiness as light and relaxed, right? Now, people who are relaxed in the ocean, and this is I'm specifically referring to shallow reef breaks and that, people who fall without worry, they barely penetrate the water and they almost never touch the reef unless, like, there's, you know, different situations where it can't be avoided. But... People who are tense, when they fall, they penetrate the water twice as hard because they're wow. tense. Right. So they're, they're like the um, – they're more like a stone rather than mm-hmm. if I was to fill a plastic bag with water and drop it under the water, it's loose, right? So that's what you want to be like. And it makes a huge difference. And you'll always see the people who fall with worry – they're the ones who bounce off the reef, either lightly or not lightly, and they come up skin missing. Maybe they need stitches. The good surfers could fall in half that amount of water, and they'll just come up and just paddle back out. You know. Wow. So that's so interesting. It's it's, ha- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, so yeah, this is um, this is something I try to impress on people. It's like um, there's one thing. Like there's a few basic cues we give in surfing and like I, I like to use keywords like when I'm helping someone get a wave I'm like you're in the perfect spot and you just watch their body change and they relax and then like um you can just say to someone smile when you when you take off on a wave and you can't smile without relaxing right it's yeah. it's got to be a genuine smile you can't grit your teeth <laughs> yeah. it's got to be like a smile and then they just relax and they use their body much better. So there's some really simple things. But sometimes you can't use, like, that simple piece of information won't be enough to get people past the amount of tension they're carrying. 
And then you've got to find out why. But you've got to dig a little deeper, take another path, hopefully which will get you to the same destination. And it's, you don't always succeed. Like I, I, I think I mentioned to you in a message that, um, that at the moment I wasn't coaching for money. Um, and I, I wasn't actually, I just went for a couple of months where I didn't accept any money for coaching. And, um, and I didn't, I was not doing a lot of coaching, but when I was doing it, it was for free. And it was like, meet me in the ocean. Let's just do something together. And I discovered that, um, that when I coach for money, I put a huge amount of pressure on myself to get results for that individual because I, I only do private coaching 90% of the time. And, um, and I came in from a free coaching session and I pretty much had delivered everything I deliver in a paid coaching session. The only difference was I had heaps more energy left I was like, it was like I hadn't even used any energy. And I was like, wow, that's interesting, you know, like the amount of pressure I put on myself to help people get results actually drains me a bit. And I'm like, mm, okay, how can, yeah, uh, interesting, right? how can I find a way to balance this out a bit when I am accepting money again? You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, you brought up, I think, such a good point. Um, you know, definitely the money aspect, it does bring a lot of pressure. And I think that's a lot with, you know, business owners who have, you know, not even surfing practice, but other practices, every, anything, right? When money's involved and your, your goal is to get money, it's not, doesn't mean don't make money, but I think every person has a different level of comfort where, to your point, they can still be comfortable, right? And have a certain amount of uh, levity, but still earn. And, um, yep. and that looks different. I think the level, the bar looks so different. I think so that blanket statement, and we talked about this on the podcast so many times, the blanket statement that everyone wants a million dollars is so ludicrous because a million dollars doesn't give everyone the same result, right? Mentally and physically. So yeah. it, it, it might be 10,000, might be 70,000. I don't know, whatever. But, um, but I want to go back for a minute to your point on falling into the water, the two contrasting, uh, you know, the different ways, one tense and one full of worry, and they actually fall harder and much worse versus the other one who's a little bit more uh, airy, a lot more relaxed, tend to fall a lot smoother with less injury. And it's something, it, what's interesting is that when you mentioned that, it reminded me of how people tend to say that when um, they talk about car accidents as well, right? And uh, yeah. people who are tense when the accident happens tends to suffer, you know, worse injuries than those who are a lot more Absolutely. kind of fluid yeah. and, and maybe taken off guard perhaps and uh, are a lot less. So it's interesting that you said that. And one, it sounds like one antidote to that is in your case, you know, with your uh, clients, you, you use certain keywords to reframe their mindset. This is the perfect spot, right? Whatever else. Obviously, we can go on for hours on this, but, um, you know, believe it or not, we are coming to the, the close of um, just, our conversation. I just saw the time on the top of my phone. I'm like, oh, that would be Yeah, great. it's really, yeah, and it's time for you to hit the real waves now, so, which is fantastic, of course. But uh, Twiggy, if you can please share with everyone 
uh, here in the podcast where they can find you and where they can learn more about you. And we'll wrap up the interview. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Talia. I have an Instagram, which is called Better Surf Technique. And I have a Facebook page of the same name, which is a free group that people can join. And um, I, I often give more detailed explanations in the Facebook group because it's just a better platform for doing more detailed explanations. So Better Surf Technique, Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, like the Facebook one I developed for clients and when COVID happened, I decided to open it up as a public group because I just wanted to give information away and it just blew up. I was like, there's over 10,000 members now. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool, you know, so yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic, Twiggy. This is ph- phenomenal. And of course, if you guys want to learn more about Twiggy, his surf techniques, or even some of the uh, use, use surfing, right, as, as a way to better and improve your lives and your profession, whatever that is, I think is worth to check out. Better Surf Technique and Twiggy Van Ryan is here with us. Thank you so much, Twiggy, for uh, coming on on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Talia. It's been a pleasure. Amazing. Thanks, Twiggy. And all of you guys who are listening, be sure to hit follow, subscribe, add, collect, and download. Until next time, you guys. See you guys next time. Bye.